your heart, within you, I have put the ability to move mountains, to bring miracles to come to pass, and to motivate you for holy living. That is your heart and your mouth. And when my word gets in your heart, it will flow out of your mouth and my power will be released. And you will see the goodness of your Father before your eyes as I move and manifest in your presence. Hallelujah. And this is just going to be the icing on the cake. And in Hebrews uh, chapter 7, verse uh, 22, well, we better read from verse 19, 19 to 22. For the law made nothing perfect, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw near to God and Inasmuch as not without an oath, he was made priest. For those priests were made without an oath, but this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. I'm so glad that Jesus gave us a better covenant. Did you know that Jesus did not come to do away with the law, but to fulfill it? And all the law was fulfilled in Jesus. Why? Because none of us could have, could have fulfilled it. It was too strenuous. It was too high. It was too hard for any one man to do it, but it took a God-man. It took the Son of Man and the Son of God to uh, fulfill the Old Covenant and establish the New. And uh, everything that God has given to us and promised us is based on His covenant with us. His covenant is how He established a relationship with us. And He binds Himself to His own covenant. He will not violate the promises that he made in his covenants. And uh, did you know that when David realized that he had a covenant and Goliath didn't, that Goliath was doomed to be defeated? You know, when David called Goliath an uncircumcised Philistine, what he was saying was, Goliath, buddy, you don't have a covenant with God like I do. And David relied on the covenant that he had with God to take down giants. It was God's covenant that provided for his people in the wilderness. They ate, they drank, and their clothes didn't even wear out. But that was for wilderness living. Because once you got to the promised land, you, you had the provision to buy more clothes. 
Amen? You know, the wilderness does not represent the whole of life. Because after the wilderness, there's a promise land. And Joshua defeated 31 kings because of God's covenant. You know, when Joshua cut the covenant was one in Joshua 5 when they were in Gilgal. And God told them to remove the reproach of Egypt. Because they had the stench of Egypt on them, even though they weren't in Egypt anymore. You know how when we, when we break a bad cycle in our life, sometimes that bad cycle has some residue. You know? Oh, it smells like a bad cycle. It looks like a bad cycle. Right? But when we remove the reproach, how do they remove the reproach? He circumcised every male child. What happens when you circumcise? There's blood that's shed, right? And so Joshua cut the covenant with God. And God removed all the stain, all the stench of Egypt, which represents the world. And they were now ready to conquer. You know, you can't conquer your enemies when you're carrying the weight of reproach on you. Your reproach has to be removed. With, when reproach is removed, regret is removed. When reproach is removed, you're not looking back. You're looking forward. Amen? And last week we talked about how Jesus is our representative. Alright? Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 18. I want, to see, I want you to see something here, and then we're going to go where we need to go today. Do we have some people that love the Word here today? Do we have some Bible junkies in the house today? You know, if you're going to be addicted to something, and humans have an addictive nature, you might as well be addicted to God. You won't regret it. doesn't give you a hangover, a bad feeling. Amen? And uh, it lasts forever. So 1 Samuel chapter uh, 18, verses 1 through 4. And it came to pass, he had made an end of speaking unto Saul, that the soul of Jonathan was knit with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and uh, wouldn't let him go no more home to his father's house. David became a full-time employee in the court of Saul. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And you know what? That's how Jesus views us. He loves you as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was upon him and gave it to David and his garments, even to his sword and to his bow and to his girdle. So David and Jonathan entered into a covenant 
of friendship. And oftentimes, Jonathan protected David even against his father's wishes. Alright? So, in the covenant that we have with God, there's always an exchange. I mentioned this briefly last week, but we're going to go into a little bit more depth today. So, how many are ready to exchange your weakness for strength? Your lack for abundance? Your sickness for health? Your lost and wandering for divine direction? Amen? Say, I'm ready to exchange. Alright? So we're going to just see a few things that we exchanged with Jesus who loves us as his own soul. If you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, hallelujah, exchange number one, Jesus gets our sin, we get his righteousness. Is not that a great deal? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Verse 21, for he has made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Can you imagine someone who never knew sin? Never sinned with his mouth, never sinned with his mind, never sinned with his hands, never sinned with his feet. He was, you might think of this like a, in terms of water, crystal clear. You know, one time when I was in New Zealand, we were visiting the area of Rotorua. And... Um, the, the native people of New Zealand, they're called Maoris, M-A-O-R-I. And uh, there was a spring that we saw. The spring was 50 feet deep, and the water was 99.9% pure. And I happened to have a cup with me, and I dipped it right into that river and took a drink. And boy, it was really satisfying. But it was a pure spring. So Jesus, he didn't know sin. He never sinned. But yet he became sin for us. He became sin. So that he could take sin from us. He had to take it on himself because he never did it. He had to volunteer to let sin come on him. Because he never sinned. Say, Jesus never sinned. No, he didn't. And the righteousness that we receive is not the result of something that we did, it is a gift. All we can do to be made righteous in God's sight is to receive the righteousness of Jesus. 
when Jesus comes into your life, he removes all unrighteousness and he makes things righteous. He makes you righteous, the real you. And when he returns, he's going to make the rest of you righteous. This corruption is going to put on incorruption. And we're going to be changed in the twinkling of an eye when Jesus returns. And our flesh is going to be recreated in a moment. Poof! And your flesh will catch up to where you are right now. You are, everyone who has accepted Jesus Christ is righteous right now. Not going to be, don't have to wait for it to come. It's not going to be delivered to you by UPS. When the moment you accepted Jesus, you downloaded righteousness software into your hard drive and you became righteous. You are, you are as righteous as Jesus is. Think about that. You are as righteous as Jesus is. I wrote something down this morning, and I want to read it to you because um, I don't want to miss it. And I wrote this this morning. The slightest deviation from God's plan or path requires you to turn onto repentance road. Admit your mistake, receive and believe he forgives, and get back on the right path. If you don't repent, sin will keep adding hidden costs until it's too much to pay. The debt-collecting devil will come and take his toll. I want to refer back to a story in the Old Testament of Zechariah. Chapter 3. If you can go with me to Zechariah chapter 3. It kind of gives us a picture of what happened to us when we accepted Jesus. Right? Jesus got our sin. We get his righteousness. Righteousness is far better than sin. So Zechariah chapter 3. And starting with verse 1, it says, And he showed me Joshua, the high priest. Did you know that Joshua is the Old Testament name for Jesus? And this Joshua was a high priest, and he was standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to resist him. When does Satan come to try to steal steal the word? Immediately when it's sown. The moment you hear the message that God wanted you to hear, Satan is trying to take that message out of your heart. He's trying to get your eyes off on the problem and off of God. Okay? So you have Joshua the high priest, and you have Satan there resisting him. And they're standing before the angel of the Lord, which was probably the Lord himself, Jesus. And the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke you. Listen, I got, I got nothing to say to you, pal. The Lord rebuke you. Yeah. Oh, Satan, even the Lord that has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this a brand plucked out of the fire? Talking about the high priest. Did you know that God plucked you out of the fire? He saved you from the path 
of fire and destruction. He interrupted the devil's plan and he redeemed you from the pit. Hallelujah. We serve a good God. And I can see already that I am not going to get to all my points. But you know, it's not all about points, is it? It's about the content. It's about the things that God wants you to hear. Now, Joshua was clothed with what kind of garments? Filthy garments. And stood before the angel. You know, when Isaiah had a vision of the Lord, he realized, I'm a man of unclean lips. You know, he didn't realize his lips were unclean until he stood before the Lord. We don't realize how unclean we are until we stand before him. Or how unkept we are. Or how filthy we really are. So, now, the Lord, verse 4, he answered and spoke unto those that stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. I've got something better for you. Let me take those old rags off for you. And I'm going to put something better on you. You know, Jesus did the same thing right before he stood before Lazarus' tomb. When he said, Lazarus, come forth, Lazarus came out of death. Amen? It's like us passing from death to life. The minute God calls your name and you pick up the phone and you say hello, he's got you. He's got you. And he, he called us out of death and darkness. He called us out of the grave. And there came Lazarus. Yeah, he was wrapped up. He couldn't walk. All he could do was hop. All right? And what did Jesus say to him? Lazarus was raised from the dead, yes, but he still had those stinky grave clothes on him that he was wrapped in that represented death. And God said, I want that death off. Take loose him and let him go. See, not only does God resurrect us, but he looses us to live a victorious, successful life. Mm. And he said... And unto him he said, Behold, I have caused your iniquity to pass from you. Only someone who was free from iniquity can take away iniquity. Only someone who resisted iniquity for a lifetime can remove the iniquity from us. Behold, I've caused your iniquity to pass from you, and I will clothe you with a change of raiment. I'm going to replace your grave cloths with a robe of righteousness. I'm going to take that matted hair, and I'm going to put a crown of glory on your head. And I'm going to clothe you. And I'm, Listen, I'm going to take that heaviness, and I'm going to give you a garment of praise. Hallelujah. Are you ready to upgrade your wardrobe today? Who initiated the change? Was it Joshua the high priest or was it the Lord? The Lord initiated the change and his word brought it to pass. He commanded and it was done.
And then verse 5, And I said, let them set a fair meter upon it. That's a turban. You know, priests in those days, they wore turbans. Thank God we don't wear turbans today. Amen? Although some places they do still. So they, they set a, a turban on his head and clothed him with garments. And the angel of the Lord stood by. He says, now you're starting to look like you should. This is how I have always desired you to look like. These are king's threads that I'm putting on you. Okay? We're still talking about he took our sin. Who knew no sin? He became sin. Do you realize what Jesus did? He became your nastiness. He became your junk. He became your mess. The only way that he can fix your mess is if he gets in the middle of it. But see, we don't want the Lord getting in our mess. It's worse for someone who knows Christian ease. You know the right words to say, and when you're not living like you should, but you still say the same words. You still say the right words, but your lifestyle has no connection to your words. It's worse when you know Christianese. Because you can say the right thing, and you're, li- you're not living in the right way, but you think that because you say the right thing that you're going to become. No, you've got to make a change. Why are you... If you're not living the right way, but you're saying the right thing... That's hypocritical. That's double speaking. Now, Christians were not created with a forked tongue. Come on, somebody. See, I don't have a forked tongue. What, what does a forked tongue do? It causes you to speak out of both sides of the mouth. My upcoming book, you'll get to read about the dark side of the tongue. So, then verse 6, the angel of the Lord protested unto Joshua, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways, covenant, if you will keep my charge, covenant, then you shall also judge my house and shall also keep my courts, and I will give you places to walk among these that stand by. All you got to do is believe his covenant. Believe his promise. And let his promise guide your life. That's all you got to do. And he'll give you authority. He'll give you power. Amen? Go to Isaiah chapter 53. The Lord put these scriptures on my mind this morning. Listen. Whenever the gospel is preached, it requires a response. Amen? God preaches the gospel through people so that other people can respond when they hear the message. Why does God want you to respond to the message? Because that's the only way to get the mess cleaned up. 
people who hear the message and don't respond, you're like taking the dust and sweeping it under the carpet. And eventually the carpet's this high. Like, what's underneath that carpet? Oh, that's all my dust. You mean you've been sweeping? You've got to get that stuff out. You can't just put it under the carpet. So today, you've got to stop sweeping the dust under the carpet. Amen? Everybody say today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Now is the day of salvation. Salvation is in the moment when you hear God's word and you respond. Amen? Don't be afraid of responding. Everybody in the family of God had to respond some way. Amen? Every one of us has made mistakes along the way. Every one of us, including me, every one of us. And when you make a mistake, all you got to do is make a U-turn. God gives you the ability to turn and change your direction. I mean, if he took our sin, we can take on his goodness. But sometimes in order to do that, we have to repent. We have to say, look, I missed it. I was wrong. God, I ask you to forgive me. Thank you for forgiving me. Woo! Now I'm free. It's that simple. See, when you repent, you're also believing God and his graciousness and his goodness and his mercy. When you repent... God opens his arms wide and says, come here, let me give you a big hug. Isaiah 53. Verse 1. Who has believed our report? To whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of the ground. Talking about Jesus, he's the root of Jesse. Okay? And has no form, no comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that should desire him. Jesus came as an ordinary human being. He looked the same as everybody, as every human being looks when they get born. All right? When Jesus was born, either Mary or Joseph had to cut the umbilical umbilical cord. I always wanted to say umbilical cord, but it's not umbilical cord. It's the umbilical cord. You know, it's important to get your words right. Did you know that when Jesus was a baby, he wore diapers or cloth? Did you know that Jesus, as a baby, cried? He experienced the full spectrum of humanity because he is human. But he is divine as well. He is both. He is the God-man. Okay? Verse 3. He, he is despised and rejected of men. He's a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. Why? Because he became sin who knew no sin. Do you realize when he was in heaven, he didn't feel pain, he didn't get tired, he didn't uh, lose strength, but when he got to earth, now he experienced pain, he experienced darkness, he felt tired. 
He had to manage people. In heaven, everybody's, oh, yeah, praise the Lord. But on earth, not everybody's like that. Not everybody on earth is happy to hear about Jesus. Some people, when they hear about Jesus, it makes them fighting mad. Amen? You might have been one of them before you got saved. We hid, as it were, our faces from him. Why? Because we were covered in sin. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. We did not respect him. Surely he has borne our griefs. Did you know that he carried your griefs or your sorrows? We did not esteem him stricken, yet we did not esteem him. Stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He was wounded for what? Our transgressions. Our transgressions caused him to be wounded. Whipped, beaten, mocked, crown of thorns, spear in the side, beard ripped off the face. Yes, all those things happened to him. He was bruised for our iniquities, our sin, our evil doings. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. But here's the good news, but glory to God. By his stripes, what? We are healed. Did you know when Jesus walked this earth that he both healed people and forgave them at the same time? The man who was let down from the roof, you know that story? The, the, the house was packed, standing room only, couldn't fit any more chairs in, couldn't get any more people in. And four friends brought this guy to Jesus. And they couldn't get in the door, couldn't get in the side door, couldn't get in the back door, couldn't crawl in the window. So they said, listen, I'm getting to Jesus no matter what. We've got to have that attitude. We've got to have that attitude like we're getting to Jesus no matter what. I think we need to increase our tenacity when it comes to the things of God. It's too easy. This world will lull you to sleep and cause you to be complacent. So they said, we're getting to Jesus. So they go on the roof, and they started making an opening in the roof, and they're ready to drop a paralyzed man by ropes. I guess if they drop him, he won't feel anything anyway. I mean, really? I mean, he was paralyzed. So, listen, faith takes risks. Because you know that if you get to Jesus, it's going to be all okay. So they lowered him in front of Jesus. I mean, he's preaching and, you know, all of a sudden something comes down from the roof. There might have been some dust falling on the pulpit. Jesus was like, what, you know, what's going on? And they see this guy being lowered. And Jesus notices the faith of the friends because faith takes action. And the man is there before Jesus who's paralyzed. 
And, you know, I don't know if the guys yelled from the roof. The Bible doesn't say so. But, hey, Jesus, can you heal our friend? I don't know. But obviously Jesus. And then what was the first thing that Jesus said? Man, your sins are forgiven. And there was murmuring in the crowd. Does he know this man? Does he know what this man did? And then he said, so that you know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Is it easier to say, your sins are forgiven? Arise and walk. But, you know, but that you know that I have authority, rise and walk. The same anointing that forgives is the same anointing that heals. It's the same word. It's the same Holy Spirit. It's the same covenant. You know, when Jesus walked this earth, all he did was enforce the Father's covenant. He showed us who the Father really is, what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what he came to do. Jesus, from Jesus' life, we know how God thinks of sickness. Not once in any gospel did Jesus ever put sickness on someone, but he took a lot of sickness away from people. So he's not the causer of he, he does not bring sickness, he does not cause sickness, but he heals sickness. We know from the life of Jesus that he came to seek and save that which was lost. He showed people mercy. A woman who was caught in adultery, he told her, go and sin no more. A man who was a tax collector, he had dinner with him. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus intermingled with the world. He came to show us a kingdom culture. The kingdom culture is greater than any culture of this world. Amen? Don't exalt your culture above kingdom culture. In your marriage, you've got to implement the kingdom culture, not man's culture. You cannot get the life of God implementing the traditions of men. So you've got to find out what God says about a marriage in order to have a good one. You've got to find out what God says about raising kids in order to raise good ones. Amen? You've got to implement God's covenant into your life. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Let's go on. Verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. Don't raise your hands, but all of us have done something wrong, knowing it was wrong. Amen. Amen. We have gone astray to his own way. That's the theme song in hell. I did it my way. How'd you get here? I did it my way. You didn't take the highway, you took the my way. That's the wrong way. That's the wide way. That leads to destruction. All right? So, can you see that he who became sin, who knew no sin, so that we could have the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, when you embrace God's covenant, it will transform your life. But if you resist God's covenant, life will be tough. Life is tough for those who do it without God. 
And don't even, don't even tell me about how successful the world is. Just because someone has a lot of money or a lot of fame doesn't mean that their life is in order. A lot of people with a lot of money and a lot of fame have messed up lives. It's better to have God and you can have fame and money and be, have a good life. Amen? There's plenty of examples in the Bible of people who were rich, who were wealthy, but they served God. Who owns the gold and the silver anyway? God, well, he wants to get it into his, the hands of his children. I'm God's child. I'll take some. Say, say this. Say, I'm God's child. Lord, give me, what, give me what's mine. Amen. You know what he's going to say? Yes and amen. Here, have some more. Here, have some more. Here, have some more. All right? So, what a great deal. I'll, I'll take your sin and I'll give you my righteousness. I'm all in. Right? I'm all in. That's a good deal. I'll take it. Yes. All we got to do, when God says, give me your sin, I'll give you my righteousness, all we got to do is say yes. And the deal's done. That's all we got to do. Amen? Well, are you ready for exchange number two? Jesus gets our sin nature. We get his divine nature. Galatians chapter 2. Go with me to Galatians chapter 2. You cannot, once you come to Christ, you can't blame your anger on your nationality. It has nothing to do with your nationality. It has everything to do with your sin nature. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer, nevertheless, I live. How can you live when you're crucified? Because you replace your nature. Amen? Yet not I... But Christ, the anointed one and his anointing, lives in me. How do you know that Christ lives in you? Because your walk changes, your talk changes, your action changes, your attitude changes, your perspective changes, and you start carrying it out. You start being a different person than what you were. Did you know, now you, you may not believe this, but it's true, I used to be shy. I used to be real shy. How can God take a shy boy from Illinois and make him a preacher? I did not grow up in a preacher's home. I grew up in a home of an insurance salesman. And I did not have examples of preaching. The churches I went to, they were frozen. Nothing against that. That's just the way they were. They didn't make me want to get closer to God. But when I met Jesus, and I was 12 years old, and I invited him to come in, he came in. And I just didn't know about God, but he came into my life. 
And it felt good. It was better than not having Jesus in my life. So, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by what? By faith in the Son of God. What does it mean to live by faith? You allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to govern everything about you. Did you know that the Bible teaches us on what to think on? The Bible teaches us on what to say. The Bible teaches us about how to treat others, doesn't it? The Bible teaches us about not holding grudges and forgiving. What standard are we supposed to give others? Forgive others? Huh? Uh, uh, The same standard that God has. He said, you forgive others as I have forgiven you. How can you share the same standard that he has? Because you have a different nature. You now have a, you have the opportunity to will to do what God wants you to do. Now you have a choice. When you have a new nature, you can choose to do things out of that nature or out of your old nature. Before you, have your, before you had your new nature, you could only respond out of the old nature. Because you were, you were confined, you were condemned, you were under the dominion of sin. But now that sin nature is taken out, now when you respond, now you've got a choice. Is that the old man talking or is that the new man talking? Is that the old man Attitude, or is that the new man attitude? Amen? So, when trouble comes up in life, let's say people are making fun of you. No one likes to be picked on. It's not fun. It's only for the abuser that it's fun for, but it's not fun for the people who are picked on. Amen? Right? So, When someone's picking on you, how are you going to respond? Do you want to tackle them on the floor and beat the tar out of them? Right? Or do you want to lash out at them like they're lashing out at you? Or could you simply just walk away? See, now we have a choice of responses. I didn't have that choice before, but once the new nature came in, now I can respond differently. I can respond out of the new nature. I I can talk like Jesus talked. I can walk like Jesus walked. I can respond like Jesus responded. Amen? We have a new nature. Say, I have a new nature. All right? Go to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Is this helping anybody today? Listen. Christians need to live like Christ. Period. Don't live like the devil and tell me that you're Christ-like. But that's what we do, isn't it? See, because... Guess what? We still have to deal with our old nature. 
Did you know that your old nature and new nature share the same, they're roommates? Did you know that? Your old nature and your new nature are roommates. The old nature is this flesh. Okay? But the new nature is only, he's got, he's got the sweet on the inside. Okay? And the Bible is very clear. The flesh nature wars against the spirit, doesn't it? Those who are in the flesh, they're enmities of God. So, in, in every situation that we face, we gotta decide, are we gonna respond from the flesh, or are we gonna respond from the spirit? And sometimes we miss it and go into the flesh, and other times we get it right and we respond from the spirit, amen? And when we respond from the flesh, guess what we gotta do? We gotta repent, right? We gotta say, God, I missed it. I own my mistake. I'm giving it to you, and I'm taking your forgiveness. Amen? Luke 13, 3, the last part of that says, unless you repent, you will surely perish. Everybody say surely. See, here's what happens. When we're not living like God wants us to live, okay? But yet there's no immediate consequence so we think that we're okay maybe God didn't see it maybe God didn't hear it so because we don't experience an immediate consequence we think that we're okay but we're getting farther and farther away from God in a very subtle way each time that we make a mistake and we don't repent about it, we become in charge of our own lives. We, we are saying, Lord, I can, I can take the wheel now. And the Lord looks at you and says, really? He'll say, go ahead. You take the wheel. If you think you can lead your life better than I can, you go for it. Did you know what? He will let you take the wheel. How do I know that? Did God come from heaven and knock the fruit out of Adam's hand? No. What did he tell Adam not to do? He said, don't eat of it. See, God trusts his word more than we do. When God says something, he means it and he sticks by it. He says, don't, don't eat of this tree or you're going to die. That was enough to protect him. That was enough to keep him. That was enough to sustain him. But he disregarded what God said. Oh, I'm going to eat it anyway. Because I'm man. I am Adam. This is Eve. And we can do what we want to do. Yes, God gave us a will. And we can choose. But how many of us did not like the consequence when we chose the wrong thing? We, we, we love the ability to choose but we don't like the consequences that come when we make a choice that's against God's covenant. And when we make a choice that's against God's covenant and we're not liking the consequences, we want to blame God. When really, it was us. I did it. I was the one who stole the cookies out of the cookie jar. Mama said, don't take these cookies, and I took those cookies. This is setting us free today. 
Jesus gets our sin nature. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Notice how, what this says, whereby you have to work for. Does it say that? What does it say? Whereby you are what? Given. Given. Unto us exceeding great and precious promises, covenant, covenant, covenant. Anytime you hear the word promise, it, it, it reflects God's covenant. So what did God give you? He gave you exceeding great and precious promises. Everybody say exceeding great and precious promises. By those promises you can live. By those promises you can defeat giants. By those promises you can move mountains. By those promises you can receive everything those promises say. What did God give us? He gave us a promise. God wanted to... He wanted Abraham to have a family. How did Abraham have a family? He believed God's promise. How did Isaac prosper after a famine? He believed God's promise. How did Jacob overcome 10 years of changing wages? He believed the promise. And because he believed the promise, even though he experienced bad things, the promise was working and he overcame the bad things and entered into the blessing because he stayed true to the promise. Listen, when you stay true to the promise, it doesn't mean the boat's not going to rock. It doesn't mean you're not going to have water in your boat. It doesn't mean you're never going to experience a storm. It doesn't mean you're never going to face trouble. But it means that you've got something to get you through all of it. That is good. So, he gave us exceeding great and precious promises that by these, by these promises, not by your intellect, not by your skill, not by your experience, not by the opinions of others, but by these promises. You might be a partakers of the what of the what why did he say you might be because you have to choose every one of us have to choose whether or not you're going to embrace the promise when you're sick you have to choose to embrace the promise of healing and you have to make that greater than the symptoms of the sickness can I help you guys today? Well, okay, I'm not going to help you at all, but the Holy Spirit will. All right? That wasn't a trick question, but that was a correction of my own words. You know, when you write a book about words, the Holy Spirit convicts you a lot. You know, I, I wrote a part in the book that I'm writing. It'll be out for the men's conference. It's called Exceeding Limits and Breaking Barriers. And uh, I had to go and repent to my wife for the bad attitude that I displayed when she shared ideas and things with me. Because I realized I was acting like these people that God is describing, and he wasn't describing in good terms. And I, was, I was sitting there, I was like, oh my gosh, I had, I had to go and ask for forgiveness of, of my attitude. I did that, didn't I? Yeah, she, she can testify because she will not lie. <laughs> 
Exactly. It, it all flashed before my eyes. I was like, I had a revelation. I was like, no wonder she got so upset with me. Because I was being a fool. But thank God I had the ability to repent and make it right. Did you know that I have had to go to my kids and ask forgiveness because I spoke harshly to them? I've had to do that several times uh, over the years. They can att- you can ask them, they will tell you that. I said things in a wrong way or I got in the flesh, you know. Oh, don't look at me in that tone of voice because we all have fits of carnality. We've all been there, done that, Amen. So here's the thing. You don't have to concern yourself. Am I doing the right thing? Am I saying the right thing? Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Be quiet. That, that's anxious. You don't have to be anxious. All you got to do is love God. Amen? And when you miss it, you say, God, I missed it. I'm sorry. He'll say, I forgive you. Let's go on. That's all you got to do. Amen? When, when you, if you just love Jesus and, and you mess up, you just get up and say, I'm sorry, and he'll, he'll forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and it'll be like nothing ever happened. Amen? And the closer you get to God, the quicker you do to repent and get things right. Do you know what made David a man after God's own heart? You know, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. How could that be? He committed adultery. He committed murder. He lied. He did all kinds of things. How could that kind of God be a man after God's own heart? Two things. He was quick to repent and he was quick to forgive. Every time that David messed up, God would confront his sin and he would repent. He would ask for forgiveness. And guess what? God God forgave him each and every time. That's what makes you a man after God's own heart, a woman after God's own heart. You're quick to repent, quick to forgive. If you've been married for a number of years, you've experienced that a lot. Amen? There's been a lot of repenting and forgiving in marriages. And because you're governed by love, you make allowances for people's mistakes. You know, just because you make a mistake, you know, it doesn't end the marriage. I mean... Amen? Because you're governed by love. You work it out. Amen? The, the, the couple should be amen in that a lot. Notice this now. I'm going I'm to finish on this verse. That by these promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped corruption. That is in the world. How do you overcome the world? You walk as a covenant keeper. You adhere to the promise. And the promise gives you a divine nature and it helps you overcome corruption. Amen? Jesus said it this way in Galatians 5. He said, if you walk in the Spirit, you'll what? Not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So if you've, been, if you've been fulfilling the desires of the flesh, that tells me you haven't been in the Spirit. How, how hard is it to get in the Spirit? It's like walking through the door of this building. The moment you, walked in, you, the moment you open the door and walked in, you're in the building. 
How do I get in the Spirit? The moment you put your eyes on Jesus, you're in the Spirit. The moment you look to the Bible, you're in the Spirit. The moment you begin to praise God out of a heart of love, you're in the Spirit. It doesn't take long to get... You don't have to work yourself up. Okay, we're getting in the Spirit. You know, when you're driving to church, okay, family, we got to get in the Spirit because we're coming to VCF. Let's get in the Spirit. Everybody, come on. You don't have to work yourself up to get in the Spirit. You are a spirit, and you can enter into a place, and you are in the spirit. Amen? You can't work up your flesh to get in the spirit. You just have to take your flesh with you when, it, when you go. Amen? Because your flesh doesn't want to go in the spirit. You know, in the church that I grew up, they never raised their hands. Well, we did when made the sign of the cross, you know. That was the only raising of the hands that I did. And then I came to a church where people were raising their hands. I'm like, what are these people doing? But you know what? When I started raising my hands, I thought, oh, this is pretty good. I like raising my hands. I like being free. I can raise my hands or I can not raise my hands. This is cool. Amen? God wants us to have a free life and a free atmosphere. You know, we used to have a saying in our house, our house is a free house. You can be free. You can be yourself. You can pursue your ideas. You, you know, you can pursue things as long as God is reflecting in what you're doing. Amen? But it's all because that we have a covenant. God takes our sin we get his righteousness. We, get, we give up our old sin nature and we take on his divine nature. You've got a God who's living on the inside of you. You've got someone who's greater than the world living on the inside of you. You've got victory on the inside of you. You've got a healer on the inside of you. You've got a savior on the inside of you. You've got the greatest guide on the inside of you. You could not have a better guide than someone who helped create what he's guiding you in. You've got the author of life on the inside of you. You've got the strengthener on the inside of you. You've got the giver on the inside of you. Amen? And it's all because of his covenant that he made with us. Amen? I know I said a lot. I, I know I always say a lot. Because God's word is so good. And Father, we just give you thanks and praise today in the name of Jesus. We thank you that your word is true. It gives us life. It sustains us. It helps us through trouble. It causes us to pass tests. And we just love you, Father. And we love your Holy Spirit who leads, guides, and directs us and brings us into all truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. So if you're here this morning and you need to make improvements in keeping God's covenant for you, you know that you haven't necessarily done what God said you should do. But that can all be water on the bridge today 
Under the bridge, not on the bridge, under the bridge. All you got to do is come before God, say, God, I missed it, and I just want, I want to make you the centerpiece, I want to make you the focal point of my life, and I'm coming to make this exchange today. I believe that there are some people here, you need to upgrade today. You need to make that divine exchange. You need to give God your weakness so that you can get his strength. You need to give him your sickness so that you can get his healing. You need to give him your life. Amen? you got to stop doing things your way on your own apart from God. you got to get in his word. you got to be faithful in little things so that he can make you ruler over much. So if you need an upgrade today, if you need to make an exchange in any way, today is your day. Amen? I know that God is here to help you. He's here to make it better. He's here to give you something better than what you've been carrying around. So today is the baggage check-in line. We're going to check in the baggage, and that baggage is going to be lost by this airline. You are never going to find this baggage again. We're going to lose this baggage that you bring today. We're going to lose it so well that it will never come back on you. Amen? We're going to throw it in the, the sea. And as far as the east is from the west, we're going to forget about this baggage that you bring today. Amen? So I'm calling you who are courageous and who are bold and who aren't going to let anything stop them from coming to God. That's who I'm talking to today. If that's you, come on up with no shame and God is going to help you.